when I started going back this week and looking at some of the things that all in the family got away with, I could not believe it. So here's the first cut that I'm going to play for you, and it's the whole family. It's Archie, it's Edith, his wife, and it's his daughter, Gloria, who had brought home a sculpture. And the sculpture was this weird, modern-looking thing that was supposed to tie in racial inequality and you know the, 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 the social vibe of the day. And at the beginning of the clip, they show Archie staring at it, and she's explaining it to him. Now, the word he uses when he says, the blanks are coming, just know that it rhymes with spoon, okay? So this is all in the family, and you tell me if you could get away with this. The answers are all right here in this sculpture. Take, for instance, what this represents. This here is the struggle of the races, man's inhumanity to man, yet through it all, the shining hope of a new brotherhood, see? His eyes are crossing as he's looking at it. (laughs) The girl has gone base. I'm all alone here. I'm all alone in this house. Isn't anybody else interested in upholding standards? Our world is coming crumbling down. The c**ts are coming. Not only could they get away with that, they threw the laugh track on it. (laughs) Because if it was recorded in front of a live studio audience, guess what the studio audience was doing? Laughing their ass off. They were laughing their ass off at it. Once again. Rumbling down. The c**ts are coming. That's the punchline of the scene. The population is black. There should be a lot of black families living out here. Yeah, this is only a beginning, but I think it's wonderful. Wonderful, huh? Well, let's see how wonderful it is when a watermelon rinds come flying out the window. Can you believe that? That's some serious stereotyping, but as I did back then, I found myself laughing at it right now. That's the brilliance of it. We tolerated it. I mean, from what I... Did black people laugh at that? I don't know. I don't know if they did or not. I didn't know. Well, I wasn't around too terribly many, period, back then. But of those that I was, I didn't know too many that watched it. Okay. So there's him tackling black society. What does he think of the homosexual side of things? But that don't answer the question. Who's the big cheese you're having here for lunch? Roger. Roger the fairy? All right. <laughs> Did you hear that, Edith? You know who they're bringing around here for lunch? Roger, sweetie, prime Roger. All right, Roger. Cut it out, huh? Who's their friend, Archie? Listen, Edith, we run a decent home here. And we don't need any any strange little babies flying in and out. Yeah, stop that. Roger's not a strange little birdie. His pal Roger is as cool as a $4 bill, and he knows it. <laughs> You know something, Archie? Just because a guy is sensitive and, and, and he's an intellectual and he wears glasses, you make him out of cool. I never said a guy who wears glasses is a cool. A guy who wears glasses is a four eyes. A guy who's a f- is a cool. <laughs> I mean, dude. Again, I, like TV is shocking right now, right? 
Yeah, it, it's shocking, but it's shocking in a different kind of way. I mean, that's really, I, I mean, that's like, you know, I, I don't know if we really thought of it this way at the time. Because the reality is conversations like that were quite common yeah. in households. Sure. But, I mean, that's like grab you grab by the lapel and shock you. Oh, yeah. All right, he goes on. A guy who wears glasses is a qu- A guy who wears glasses is a four-eyes. A guy who is a f- is a qu- <laughs> I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I'm not an expert on flowers. <laughs> you might as well face it. You're all alone in this. We all know Roger, and we all know he's straight. And even if he wasn't, and I said if, what difference would that make? Do you know that in many countries, England, for instance, there is a law that says whatever two consenting adults do in private is their own business? Listen, this ain't England. We threw England out of here a long time ago. We don't want no more part of England. For your information, England is a country. <laughs> what? Say, ain't they still picking handkerchiefs out of their sleeve, huh? God. England is a F country. <laughs> On TV in the 70s, for God's sakes. Yeah. And then when he is in front, this last one, he is at his friend's, the Jefferson's son's wedding. All right? Okay. And he is sitting there talking with George. He's Everybody at the wedding is black. He's the only white guy at the entire wedding, except one guy he sees in the corner. Yeah. But at the time, he thinks he's the only black guy here. And so this is his casual conversation with George Jefferson and George Jefferson's mother, who is standing right there next to him. George, that's your third drink. I know that. Well, put it down. Mama, will you leave me alone, please? I said put it down. You've had enough. Look, Mama, I'm a big boy, and I don't need you to blow my nose for me. Now, will you leave me alone? George. Hey there, Jefferson. That ain't very nice, talking that way to your little mammy here. (laughs) (laughs) To your little mammy here. All right. Who you calling mammy? You. Well, don't you dare call me mammy. I'm nobody's mammy. I'm his mother. Now, if you've got anything to say to me, you call me Mrs. Jefferson. Oh, she's Mrs. Jefferson. Don't uh, talk to me. That's done. And don't you try to make up with either. Uh, Mother Jefferson, what's that's wrong? Don't, I'm out here. <laughs> George, what's going on? He called Mama Mammy. Huh? <laughs> I didn't think I was doing nothing wrong. I thought all color people call their mothers Mammy. Well, I did, Jefferson. That's what I always said. Geez, Al Johnson called his mother Mammy for years. <laughs> That's his way out of it. Al Jolson, Jolson called his mother Mammy for years. They got away with it, though, man. They yep. got Not only did they get away with it, it was the defining show of an entire decade. It changed things. Yeah. It was a game changer. Yeah. In TV and, I mean, not only TV, but just in culture in general. That show was a game changer. But you're right. Damn near every household had that type of guy in it, the World War II dad, 
that this is what they thought. This is this is their America. Yeah. This is the way they were raised. And, you know, again, we've got our own issues today, I know. But we've but come a long way. Back then, you had a whole generation of dads who thought just like that. Right. And would say things like that and not yeah. even bat an eye. Yeah. It's the way it was. The right way or it wrong. was. Yep. The ticket. So, so on Friday, uh, Donovan and I were talking, and I just, I, I felt, uh, I felt a few things. I felt it was important for me to kind of, um, you know, exercise a little bit of uh, cojones by my standards and actually address with some level of, uh, I guess, boldness, uh, you know, Topics that are not real comfortable. Now, don't necessarily offer those opinions uh, with with any sort of uh, dogmatic, uh, you know, I'm clearly right on this, which you might hear from me in football season, and uh, it may not be charming, but, uh, you know, there are things that you spend your life studying, and there are other things that other people spend their life studying, and you can't be experts on everything, and, and I've chosen football. But we have this amazing podium here, and we have a great audience, and we have this P1 family, and, you know, on occasion, we got to talk about things that are weightier than football, and that means some people will uh, turn the station and uh, please, you know, come back when you're comfortable with it. We uh, We don't blame you. But... I think it's still up to us to actually give our view on the world. And that's the cool thing about a group of people. We all have different takes on this. But when it comes to a couple things that just keep happening, I'm led to believe I'm part of two groups that can really change things. And we spent about two minutes on this Friday, and we don't have to spend time on this either, but... Just thinking about it, the reason things never change is because nobody tries a different posture. You know, the school shootings keep happening because everybody's dug in. Um, Racism keeps happening because everybody is just dug in, and it's generally built around this idea of protect yours. You know, protect your family's interest, your business's interest, and literally screw the world. Which and, makes no sense to me because it, like, racism isn't, um, I mean, it's just basic human rights. There's yes. nothing political about it or why people should be dug in about it right. other than deep-seated hate. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of that, I get it's way older than all of us, but man... On things like racism or even even national pride, like I'm super proud to be an American, but I realize it's literally the luckiest thing that has ever happened to you. Your mom was located <laughs> within these boundaries at that right. moment in time, and voila, I you're an American. Totally you, agree. You did nothing. No. And, the, the luckiest thing is not where you were born. It's probably the fact that you're a dude and you're white. Okay. The, where you were born might come secondary. But all of it had zero to do with any sort of meritocracy that you, know, you uh, studied hard or worked hard or did any of this. No, 
you were born. Seven billion people have been born. Some are born, you know, on third base and some are born at a very difficult spot. So anyway, the two groups I'm part of, Corby, uh, that is not a secret. If you have Google, you can find that I'm white. I'm a white male who I think by just about any definition would have to be called affluent. You know, I'm, I'm, there's way people way richer than me, but I've been working at this place, making a good living and working at a couple other places, making a good living for a long time. I'm going to be okay. You've achieved a certain level of financial independence. Yes. And I guess that's the American dream. And I can provide for my family for now. Now, things can change. It happens all the time. But I've been blessed, and I try not to forget that. Then the other group I'm part of is part, I guess, how I was born, because I was born into a Christian home, and the religion of my parents became mine. I can make my own decisions on that, and I realize a lot of people born in Christian homes have decided that's not for them, but I did not decide that. I decided that... That you know, that is a, a life of, of faith that I've chosen, and and I'm not ashamed of it. And, and so, nor should you be. Those two groups that I'm a part of, though, those aren't super unique in this area. And so, I think it's my premise that a big part of racism in this country, as we know it, is not to say that affluent white males are racist. Some are. And it's not to say Christians are racist. Some are. Some aren't. Many aren't. And I don't think it's productive for us to paint with a broad brush Christians or affluent whites or blacks or cops or anything to get out of this mess. We've got to stop painting with a broad brush. And I just think all I'm asking, if you find yourself in either one or both of those on the on the Venn diagram, is just to say, Hey, what do you think about maybe trying a different route on this? What do you think about employing a little more empathy and not, you know, for some reason, and, you know, I know this is going to open up a can of worms, but we're here till seven. Let's open up a can of worms. It's always bothered me as a Christian that we have white churches and black churches. Isn't that weird? And... I know there's no fixing it now, but I'm going to take a wild guess and assume there are black churches probably because churches weren't really welcome back in the day. And so the black uh, community figured out their own house of worship. Now, if I'm uninformed or ill-informed on that, Please accept my apology. I've I did not go to school to study this. I'm taking a wild guess because I am familiar with how things worked in our country, whether it be diners or water fountains or hotels. So I'm going to take a wild guess and say the people uh, making you go to a different water fountain or a different restaurant or a different hotel probably also had something to say about where you went to church. And it's also about, you know, churches started out as being, you know, little community hubs almost. And, you know, when you started having segregation or really that just that kind of that didn't just happen. It just that's the way life worked back then. And this and still does. Yeah, it does. And that's where the community would build their church within their own little. Yeah. 
their yeah. own little spot, and right. that's where the okay, black guys go here and white guys go here because you live over here and you live over here, and the two shall not cross paths. Incredibly, incredibly different styles. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and if you've ever walked by an African American church, you would wonder why in the hell would they want to attend a white church? <laughs> right. I've been to white church, boring as hell. <laughs> A lot. Black church, it's Uh, like a concert. Perhaps you haven't heard we've brought a drum set into the white church, Danny. (laughs) Great. Things are really starting to cook now. No, but uh, so 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 where am I going with this? Obviously, I, you know, I, I think about even the wisdom of speaking about this publicly. But I think. That we as Christians, uh, and I realize I'm saying we, and it's uh, an inclusive term, and if you don't feel like you're part of that group, feel free. I, I'm not I'm not trying to include anybody against their will. But those of us in the, quote, Bible belt who uh, believe in Jesus and, and his message, I think we've taken a wrong turn, and we have confused our faith with our politics. And I just... That's so counterproductive, man, because on issues of immigration and on issues of uh, of just social uh, decency and on issues of, uh, yeah, racism or whatever, we, we've got our political jersey out and it totally smothers any sort of message of Jesus's love. And you don't have to go very far into the Gospels to see you know, the Good Samaritan and the, uh, you know, just all of the messages of, look, if you are treating people differently on color of skin or uh, or, or religion or, or, you know, just any sort of uh, thing, you're doing it wrong. And I realize it's su- the elections are super important because that's uh, and it all comes back to abortion. And I get 100%. it. One hundred percent. I get it. I understand. I have parents who would literally and I love them. But they would vote for Darth Vader to protect abortion. Yeah. And so, you know, as I see all this, I, uh, I'm i not a real political person, but I, I really believe that those of us who believe in religion, and again, not trying to alienate anybody because this is not a uh, religious radio station, so just bear with me for another moment. Those of us who really want to see things change in this world we've got to separate our faith from our politics you can still care about both man but the second you merge them together and you're just more worried about losing an election or losing a judge or losing anything that's when you became tone deaf to anyone who isn't like you and that's how we can't get out of this, man. And I'm not asking you to change the world. I'm asking you to consider a different a different uh, turn in the fork in the road, man, or we're going to be stuck here. Yeah. We, we, you know, I just I, I feel that so much. Well, and you're you're dude, you're making all the sense in the world. Um, and, and it's also a huge ask. You know, yes, because it, 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 is, it, it, it literally we have to literally pulverize our history to do this. Yeah. And, you know, the way that people you treat people, the way that you look someone in the eye and shake their hand. Not now, of course, don't shake anyone's hand. 
But the way that you look them in the eye and shake their hand and say, how are you doing, or thank you, or you open a door for someone, regardless of what the hell they look like. And if, even if you get what they're all about, that's not important. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It, it's so, to me, that is so easy. That is such an easy ask. And I know that's not doing much as far as stepping on a guy's neck for nine minutes and killing him. But just on, you know, forget the police brutality. And that's where, man... This weekend, I hope everybody has thought more than just about police brutality when it comes to police attacking um, um, African-Americans and, and killing them, because it's way more than that. And I, just the simple things yeah. that you go through life and try not to be a total a-hole. And I, I, this is where life really confuses me, because I see it all the time with my friends. I see it with you guys. I see how respectful you are to other people. I see that the the pleases, the thank yous, no matter if it's a 16-year-old kid giving you a damn sandwich or a 60-year-old guy that uh, you open the door for. And no matter what color they are, no matter what any of it is, and I think that's why generally people hang out with certain groups because you see that you see that the good within certain people and then the people that are just kind of on the other side you're like what what's their deal man yeah and and honestly it, it does come back to the human reaction to the blame game because uh affluent white guys or christians you know they don't want to feel like they're being blamed for society's ills like i had nothing to do with slavery i had nothing to do with uh, george uh, floyd i had nothing to do with botham john or you know the uh, lady in fort worth uh, forgive me for forgetting her name but i had nothing to do with any of this stuff why are you guys acting like it's my fault well i mean it's not your fault but if you're part of the society and you don't want to do this every three months could we figure out a way to have empathy for those who aren't affluent and white? Let me ask you this. Could we leave our little shell, even if it's just between our ears, and say, man, I could probably pull on the rope a little better to help people that aren't me? Let me let me see if I can. you can help me clarify what you're saying, Bob. Okay. And let's, generally speaking, you have two parties and i would say the general perception of each party is one is the party of civil rights and liberties and freedoms of uh, the left okay Mm -hmm. and then you have the other side which is looked at as more capitalist and anti-welfare and when you think anti-welfare you think anti-black anti-brown right and the Christian community, but but along with that, anti-abortion, right? Yeah. So the, you're saying that the Christian community, more often than not, will align themselves with that one because of the one issue of abortion. And in the can, end, that's the ultimate game and, changer. Yes. And, and all of the other things are just ignored. So you're saying, yeah, you can have your anti-abortion stance, but all the other stuff. And granted, this is general. A lot of people's perception that you have the the uh, the liberal side and then the more conservative side. And sometimes people say that Republicans are the racist side. And I'm not saying that. No, but that is a fair general perception. Sure. So you're saying step out of that, have your anti-abortion stance but break from all the other stereotypes in that party. And sure, they're true on both sides. 
I, of course. I, Is that yeah. kind of where you're well, going? Well, I mean, I, honestly, I think, and <laughs> I'm going to step on a grenade here because uh, my parents will disown me for this one. I just think if you're willing to sell the world for one political issue, I think I, I think you have to have a tipping point personally. And I get, you know, abortion because I was raised in a house where that was the only thing that mattered to them. And they are freaking that I don't support the president who uh, claimed for the last five years that he cares about abortion. I'm not buying it, by the way, but nobody asked me. And I'm not trying to turn this into a Trump thing because then instantly everyone stops listening. But I do know that most of my brethren from the church, because I've argued with many of them about this uh, in the last uh, couple years, I just think you have to have like, if you want to say, look, I will vote for the candidate that agrees with me on abortion, then my counter to you is, okay, how many other things are you willing to give up before uh, you would move from that position? And if the if the answer is literally everything, then then we're having a different conversation. Because I think there's way more nuance to this world than that one political issue. Now, that's a very, very, very important one, but so, to me is showing no empathy for the little Guatemalan, Honduran, Mexican kids at the border. I think that was shameful. Yeah. I do. Because they're God's children, and as a disciple of Jesus, it's my job to care about them too. And it's my job to care about people losing their life because they used a counterfeit $20 bill. And it's my job, you know, it's just, if you're, you know, so uh, look, we're, all of today's not going to be about uh, Jesus and all of that. But I, you know, I I do feel compelled to speak my piece about my particular place in life. And when, you know, even over the weekend, and we can get into this later, it has nothing to do with faith. But I honestly was was trying to make sure that we didn't fall under the exact same path of oh. Black community, yeah. Hey, really mad about something. Had to trash our city again. Great. You know, I'm I'm starting to hear that from relatives, from from fellow believers, and, and, and I'm just like, dude, don't fall into the same traps, man. Otherwise, we fall into the same traps, and we never heal. We never get better. We never improve it for any of us. And, and so, you know, um. Hopefully some people heard that and weren't completely offended by it. And, 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 and maybe it made you think, and, and like I said, I don't have all the answers. My brother's a preacher. Uh, there's a lot of good preachers out there that hopefully have better answers than I do. I'm just absolutely sick and tired of, uh, of, uh, a world where we have confused faith and politics to a point where Gosh, I think politics might be more important to a lot of people. There's no and, doubt. And, and let that's me, a scary part and, well, of it all. And let me tell you, things of this world that don't last, yeah, politics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your, your election when you were 30, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to care anymore. But maybe you'll care about changing someone's life. I've said this before, and like... Uh, 
politics. I, I've gotten to a point in my life where I just cannot stand the noise from both sides. And sometimes I'm even more annoyed with the left than I am with the right. But when it comes down to it, if I really believe this in my heart as hum, as human, human beings and as, as a humanity, if you drive upon a car accident, okay, and you see a guy stuck in his seatbelt and the car is on fire and he's black and you're sitting in your truck and you're wearing a MAGA hat, you're not going to let the dude burn to death. No. You're going to get out and you're going to try to save the dude's life. That's why I think this is so much far greater than politics. And like you said, this crap will be forgotten. Yeah. You will forget about this election in three years. And then when you're on your deathbed, it's not going to matter. No one's going to care what president was in office, whether you were a Obama guy or a Trump guy or a Clinton guy or a Bush guy. Yeah. None of it's going to matter at that point. But the fact that you could maybe put that aside and be a freaking human being. And what you taught when your it kids. Ma- when it matters. Yes. Actually, how about all the time? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean... And, and what I meant to say, how about be that way all the time rather than having to, oh, crap, There's I got to go save that guy's life. Well, you're doing that. You may not agree with him. You may not like the color of his skin, but you're not going to let him burn to death. You would like to think they would not. I really I would really like to think in, that they would In that either. moment, I don't think that there's a person on earth that has that much hatred in their heart just to stand by and watch the dude barbecue, whether it be no. whether it be a black guy rolling up on a dude in a MAGA hat and or honestly, whatever. And you honestly, know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and, I wish we could just live our lives thinking about that moment all the time, and it would probably be a better way to live, and well, you might actually see the vulnerability and humanity in the other person rather than whatever uniform they're wearing. Well, whatever, and that goes down to skin. The decent people have the racists way outnumbered. The problem is there's too many of us decent people that just, it's not its not our problem, man. Yeah, you don't do enough. Don't blame me it's for the, it. It's the MLK statement that he wrote in jail that I heard the musers talk about this morning where it's he talks about the moderate white man and it's, you know, it's not the crazy race that's out there. It's the people that, and I'm included in this, and, and a lot of times where I'm like, I know I'm not racist, but do I do enough? Right. Do I do enough to stand up to these freaking morons that are help, you know, putting this country to shame on a daily basis? I'd like to think I do. Mm-hmm. I like to think we talk about this enough, you know, mm-hmm. like when something does go down without fear of any repercussions, whether it comes from ratings or uh, political crap or I'm never listening to you again. I don't care. I never have cared about that. I, I mean, I, what you, what we try to do is say what is right and what is wrong, not what's politically right. We've never worked that way here. And at this point, yeah, I mean, you just you just want to look at society and say, do what's right. You know what's right. The yeah. thing is, it's it's like we're talking about. You just mentioned tell your kids this. It's ingrained generation oh, yeah. after generation after generation so if you're a freaking parent out there do your part and stop it nip it in the freaking bud that's, right that, now and if you're a kid a and it doesn't feel right be brave to break the chains yeah, yeah. i mean that's the thing and, and maybe it's easier for me because i have a household of five and i'm the only one that doesn't have brown eyes i'm the only one in my house you know and so it's easier to explain to uh to a house uh, of of minorities i guess that uh hey we've got to treat everyone the same and it you know we've got to uh look for people who need our help to actually treat them even better the ticket 
Bob's world. Bob's world. Work in progress, dude. <laughs> okay, so on today's edition of Bob's World, by the way, get ready because I think next week we're doing a dad's life about Father's Day gift ideas. Bingo. Okay. Just prepare. Okay. We're going to fix this whole Father's Day sleep. Also of know Provies. We, you know, Danny for years and years has bought extravagant gifts for all of us every Father's Day. So now that he is a new father, we have to get him something oh, wow. in the $500 range. Extravagant <laughs> gifts. <laughs> he is the giver. He loves to give. In today's edition of Bob's World, I'm going to take an extreme left turn to the world that I once loved and then turned my back on very, very quickly. Once I kind of found out that uh, people people think different of you if you are of a certain age and you like professional wrestling. Oh, oh no, boy. Ty. The wedge has been... <sighs> Why is he taking shots at me, guys? Oh. I. It's not you. Oh, okay. The wedge has been driven, Ty. I'm, I'm, I, I'm just saying. Just, just sitting here. There was an age where I was trying to, you know, meet a girl. And I got yeah. the sense that the girls that I were uh, <laughs> trying to talk to weren't into professional wrestling. No. Yeah. No. no. Come on, Bob. So it's the uh, it's the late '80s, uh, very very early '90s, the Saturday Night Main Event era, and you know I did like the Hulkster, can't lie. <laughs> but that was about the time where I decided I'm going away from pro wrestling and I'm going to do something else with my free time. Maybe listen to uh, gangster rap. I don't know. Yeah. But recently, we uh, suffered a death in the pro wrestling world that uh, caught my attention. Because I had literally never heard of this guy. And the further you go down the uh, rabbit hole, the crazier this dude gets. His name is Jerome Young. He died a couple weeks ago at the age of 58. He died of a heart attack, which surprised approximately nobody because his entire life, he admitted he was really into cocaine. Hmm really into cocaine like couldn't shake it before a match he would get the party started with some cocaine and uh you know it only improves your athletic ability it does and it makes you less annoying around other people <laughs> well this guy okay so uh he, he wrestled under the name new jack and i'm guessing that was pulled right from the era of new jack city yep Inspired by the 1991 film. So as I'm leaving, he's entering. Now, before that, he had a really, really wild ride as a kid. Um, so much so, as I, if, if I may just read from his, his uh, Wicca, wiki page. In 1968, when he was five years old, he and his siblings witnessed his father stab his mother multiple times after he found out she had been cheating on him with other men. Oh. Five months later, he shot her in the leg when she tried to leave and take a young Jerome with her. His father then died of a heart attack later in the year. He and his mother moved frequently, and uh, he had a measure of success in football. Uh, but then he and his friends uh, started robbing stores, gas stations, sporting goods stores, and jewelry stores. 
and uh, did uh, a fair amount of time in prison. You know what that sounds like? Hood rat things. It seems like a uh, rough beginning to a life where he spent a two-year sentence at Alto State Prison where uh, he got into weightlifting and turned himself into a man of uh, considerable size so that when he got out, apparently he found his way to professional wrestling. Now, he was in what we call a tie the off-brand circuit or what do you call what do you call all the tiny circuits of the he got in, the independence the independence he made his name in ecw extreme championship wrestling because they'd let you do just about anything okay so blood he, yes oh, oh dude yeah yeah dude this guy flaming tables and mud <laughs> flaming and... tables and mud <laughs> what a match <laughs> So if you see a, me up. if you see a picture of New Jack, you will see tons of those forehead scars from when they would cut each other to produce the blood. But it went much, much deeper than that. He had a temperament that said, "I'm doing this for real," and he pretty much came close to killing dudes in the ring. Is that fair, Ty? Absolutely. Yeah, he was a guy that. Like reckless, reckless, and and charges were brought against him on multiple occasions for in the ring yes. type stuff. Yes, yes, oh he God. would he would get. Uh, it didn't take long hair trigger to to get thrown off if a guy he felt like was trying to show him up. He go, okay, you're gonna show me up. Then when we're in the <laughs> ring, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it real. So he was a uh, black man, a African American gentleman in the pro wrestling game. Bless you. And the independence included the North Georgia Wrestling Alliance and the Smoky Mount, Mountain Wrestling Circuit before joining ECW. Now, I don't know how... Boy, a little, little frog in the throat here. It's okay. Here, vamp, it's, it's, vamp Tuesday. it's Tuesday. Ribbit. It's Tuesday. You're listening to Bob's World live here on Sports Radio 96. I'm, I'm verklempt in my obituary of uh, New Bob Jack. <laughs> so... I don't know if you realize this, but for a long, long time, wrestling has used like racial stereotypes to really feed the fans yeah. what they love. Yeah. Uh, whether it was the Iron Sheik or uh, Nikolai Volkov uh, doing the Russian National Anthem, why Sergeant Slaughter was just so mad, or Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Fritz Von Erich started out as a German sympathizer. Yes. Mm. That's how he got the name Von Erich. Mm. So our friend New Jack and his partner Mustafa were a tag team known as the Gangstas. G-A-N-G-S-T-A-S. And they won the championship, but often they would wrestle against some southern-based fellas who uh, had the Confederate flags and uh, were, were championing the Deep South. And, of course, touching all of those political hot buttons. Why not? That you really love. It's wrestling. Well, apparently, in those days, you could actually chant the N-word at these good guys. Lord. And uh, the crowd of good old boys would really get after the gangsters and uh, a really healthy environment to teach our <laughs> to teach our young lads how uh, pro wrestling can really really make us better as humans. Well, this all arrived in my Twitter feed recently with one of his rants and I thought, well, 
Let's see how he would handle his mean gene interviews to kind of get the crowd going and to want to get them to get out to the auditorium to see us next time we're in town. So I have for you what I consider a minute 46 seconds of some of the most shocking charged audio, and I want you to say, well, this is why Bob wanted to play it, okay? So okay. there will be a moment in here where you, will say, where you will say this made Bob say this was airworthy. The rest of it is just a wild ride of a guy trying to pull good old boys offside. All right? Okay. Here we go. New Jack and his famous rant. Here they are. We get our first opportunity to talk to them. The new tag team on the block of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Impressive they are. The gangsters. New Jack. Let me tell you something. 30 years ago, we would have been strung up in somebody's tree getting hung for beating two white boys the way we just did. But now, you might want to come out here and put some belts on us, but the only belt we're going to be wearing around here is the tag team belt. Let me tell you something. I don't like being up here. I was getting out of my car. I slipped and fell. It's some tobacco spit. And you know what I'm saying? Nothing but rednecks up here. Nothing but geese up here. Nothing but coal miners up here. Chicken farmers. Clansmen. I don't like nobody but my partner you understand i don't care who you line up in front of me i'm gonna show you how bad new jack and mustafa is you- okay so far we're getting rolling yeah. yeah we're getting rolling i like that they're on the smoky mountain wrestling <laughs> network <laughs> yeah yeah we got uh we were taking on the uh the coal miners and the chicken farmers and the Klansmen. tobacco spit and the clansmen and the good old boys and then the rednecks and the here you go okay so so we're, we're warm now now New Jack is going to see, okay, I, f- I feel like I have the room's attention. <laughs> or Let, does he? <laughs> let's let's go. Let's talk four. about violence. Violence to you might be pushing by the figure four. Violence to me is taking a can of gas and pouring it on you and setting you on fire. Like me or not, I didn't come up here to be like. I came up here to get paid. And whoever you put in front of me, I'm going to drop you, you down. Care. i like to send a you special shout out to my homeboy, O.J. Simpson. Keep up the good work, baby. Two less we got to worry about. You understand? Keep up the good work. Louis Farrakhan will be the next president. Yeah. Snoop Dogg, we know you're innocent. You called me last night. You understand? Yeah. Get ready, Smoking Mountain, because we're going to set this place on fire. All right, fans. There they are. The team right. here. Smoking Mountain Wrestling. You, Jack. <laughs> So I don't. Oh my God! This is post. There's the the Gordon Soley of South Carolina. I thought you there. You heard it, fans. Uh, I thought the phrase was a special shout out to my guy O.J. Simpson. You're doing it right. Keep up to my homeboy O.J. Simpson. Keep up the good work, baby. Two less we got to worry about. You understand? Two less white people we got to worry about. Did you not catch that the first wow, time? Wow, no. <laughs> Play that one more time. <laughs> oh, I thought, wow, I've never heard a wrestler put a shout-out to OJ. I'd like to send a special shout-out to my homeboy, OJ Simpson. Keep up the good work, baby. Two less we got to worry about. You understand? Keep up the yeah, good now work. now I do understand. Louis Farrakhan. Who's, wow. Who's the guy kind of going, yeah, is that Yeah, M- that's Mustafa? part of the Mustafa. Mustafa. <laughs> yes. And the fact that, oh, man, that is, uh, 
That's quite shocking. And Snoop was going through, what, a weed trial uh, well, or something? Well, no, a murder trial. Well, apparently they talked murder, on the phone the night before. Uh, murder was the case that they gave he me, called I believe. Me last night. was uh, the, the Snoop murder trial, I don't right? I even remember him being up for murder. Oh, yeah. uh, very early in Death Snoop's. Death Rose is the label that pays me. Pays yes. me. And that guy now sells pillows and sheets. And beer. And be- everything. He sells everything. So uh, That's awesome. So I don't know that we'll ever get him into the trifecta since i had never heard of him until he died but uh i imagine that he's shanking angels in heaven now yeah i imagine that played well in the smoky mountain circles dude you want to talk about writing a check your rear end doesn't want to have to cash like does he hang out in the area like go to dinner that night or anything what a beating there's people that think that's for real oh yeah yeah. and most of them are in your auditorium right now chanting the n-bomb at you <laughs> what a mess what a mess indeed all right oh good stuff Woo. there is bob's world